Welcome everyone to your Ms. Marvel podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me to my right is the man who needs no introduction. It's Pete. Hello, Pete. Why did you not warn me this thing was death? The Ms. Marvel podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode four, Seeing Red. It's brought to you by Napping Pillow. It's not a flying teddy bear. Pete making our way around the old podcast schedule here. Of course, talking Ms. Marvel right now. Tomorrow, we'll be wrapping up the series for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Pete, I continue to say that series in either the British or the American sense, depending on whether they do more or not. Yeah, still a lot floating around. I've seen some additional stuff the past couple days. Oh, here's something we wanted to do with this. We almost did this. Seems like they have an awful lot to maybe return to, Matt. Uh, I think fingers crossed on that. Uh, looking to Star Trek Sunday, we'll be talking about the, the let's just say, very big Star Trek Strange New Worlds, episode 109, which, which uh, streams this past week. Won't say anything more to describe it than that, uh, other than to say beware of spoilers. And uh, if you're a Star Trek fan... Get, get to watching that. A tremendous episode. Really can't wait to talk to you about that. And then uh, farther down the line, although weirdly also next week, because all of a sudden, like, it's July. Happy July 1st. Uh, next Thursday, we'll be going to see Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, suspect a lot of listeners will be seeing it that opening weekend, and we will be podcasting it the following Monday, July 11th. So get us your feedback there once you've seen that. Last but not least, Pete, I understand that you have some third-party Ms. Marvel ratings info. Yes, again, because there's not a unified situation as far as ratings. I know that Nielsen is doing like some streaming stuff, but it relies greatly on, on self-reporting. Um, but we have some numbers here that uh, Ms. Marvel, lowest viewership, in the first five days of any of the MCU series so far um, on Disney Plus at about uh, 775,000 U.S. households. This is coming per Samba TV. And I feel like increasingly Samba might not be delivering the middle of the dartboard, but Samba is delivering a reliable dartboard. Pete, let me tell you why. I'm not worried that this is, uh, by their numbers, the least watched of the uh, Marvel Studios TV shows for a couple of reasons. First of all, there's not the name recognition of character as there have been with most of the other shows. There's not the name recognition as there has been with your lead actor, as there have been with many of the other shows, Moon Knight included. Also, also, let's bear in mind, among other things, Ms. Marvel is kind of a prequel that actually comes first but a prequel to the marvels so i think that in that weird way where streaming numbers don't need to always count for the thing that they count for now they can count for the future you're gonna have a bunch of people after they see the marvels next summer are gonna say wait there's a show about how ms marvel got to where she got to i'm gonna go watch that right now on my disney plus I do think you're going to get that kind of value-added effect to it. Matt, we're here. We're watching it. We're on for the ride. So are our listeners. Amon Vellani 
is a delight. Uh, Zenobia Shroff is tremendous. This episode in particular, so, so different than so much of the TV that we watch. And I, for one, am grateful. The silver lining here, Matt, uh, reportedly a higher rate of younger viewers as well as people of color than all other MCU shows. Yeah, and I think, Pete, sometimes we adults, particularly if you're sampling things in the world of Disney, um, I think it applies to Star Wars, Star Trek, DC, and so forth as well. Sometimes a little bit of a reminder, it's okay if they make stuff that skews younger than you are right now, and that's not a slam against you as an old, that's just, hey, if people that aren't my age or aren't my skin tone are digging the show, there's nothing wrong with that as well. Let's begin our look at this episode. The skyline of Karachi is visible from the window of a commercial airliner as travelers pass the time. But Kamala Khan doesn't look too happy. Passenger next to her asks her if it's her first time visiting Pakistan since she's gripping her stuffed animal so tightly. Oh, she speaks, says mom, who thought her daughter had lost her voice except were asking for more ginger ale. Kamala thought she wasn't allowed to talk unless the laws of grounding are no longer applicable in international waters. After she's ruined her brother's wedding, she'll be serving out her sentence for years. But because her grandmother is very old and insisted on them going to Pakistan, Muniba thinks they need to call a temporary truce. As the PA announces their descent into Karachi's airport, Kamala texts Nakia that she's sorry. Nakia hasn't answered her, and Kamala promises to explain everything. They find themselves on the ground of not Thailand, filmed in Thailand, but Thailand here, of course, playing Karachi. Pete, energy in the air, rose petals being thrown Family recognizes them. It's her her cousins, uh, Zainab and Oase. They're so tall. Uh, Kamala, still really short. Uh, then there's Nani. Got the walking stick, but happy to see her granddaughter. Uh, she has, uh, Nani does, such lovely bangles. Those are the decorative kinds. Thank you very much. Not the, you know, deeply tied to MCU mythology and so forth. Kamala steps aside. Uh, Mom and Nani are able to reconnect uh, after some difficulty. They're going to build on a positive bridge, though. They enter Karachi proper, the City of Lights. I have to say, Pete, this portion, again, I understand it's filmed in Thailand and so forth, but um, Karachi, as presented here, uh, a little bit of an education to me, okay? Whatever Western picture I had of this place that's kind of not Afghanistan, nor is it India, uh, this is a fantastically fun looking place that's being represented on my TV screen. Matt, I will speak for you um, for two Caucasian men to watch this episode and not have anyone uh, appear in it who looks like us. I'm completely with this. Absolutely. This is a view into uh, another world, not just geographically, but narratively. Uh, and certainly an exciting one uh, at that. 
The story takes us to the family house, which is so big. There's the golden retriever Magnum. Uh, inside the house, it's just as lovely. Uh, Kamala's room is the one uh, over there on the right, right? Nope, not that one, which is uh, an art studio. Nani's art studio. She's quite the artist Nani is. She has created stories and images from her past in this art. And Nani shows a picture of, uh, of her father when he was young and a painting of Aisha, Nani's mother, uh, when Aisha was young as well. At least what she can remember of her. Kamala digs out the bangle from her bag and asks uh, why she sent it to her. And interesting now that it, it is returned to where it went. Uh, her grandmother comes right out and tells Kamala that she is a djinn. At least that's what her father told her. Kamala asks her how she's so casual about it, but her grandmother says it's just genetics. That bangle saved her life. Uh, Kamala recaps the trail of stars she saw the day she left India. Uh, it was the middle of partition and a hot summer night when she somehow got separated from her father until that trail of stars appeared and took her right back to her father's arms on the last train, the same train they're seeing in the visions. Her grandmother says the bangle is trying to tell her something, but she doesn't know what. She does know she needed to be there with her to figure it out. Kamala feels like she's breaking more than she can fix, but her grandmother tells her if she had lost what she had, she'd learn to find the beauty in the pieces. Later, Kamala is maybe going to text or not. Instead, she snoozes. She has a little flashback to the last episode. Helpful. Thank you. Uh, then gets woken up by her cousins. They're getting her up to do some lunch, to do some visiting together. Mom tells her to get a move on, too. Lunch is at the boat club, which looks really, really nice. However, Kamala not dressed nice enough uh, on account of the jeans that she's wearing. Uh, minor story foul here, Pete. I don't know why they would assume she knows how to dress for the boat club. And they certainly could have said, hey, let me give you a little once over here. Okay, not ready for the boat club, but I understand what we need to do, Pete. Give characters some challenges and so forth. They're outside. Okay, there's no AC. The yummy buffet inside as well. An old auntie meets up with them. It's mentioned that Kamala, by the way, is not a traditional Pakistani name. Uh, and of course, that doesn't surprise the auntie. Mom is such a rebel after all. Ha ha ha. Pete, that's surprising to us because mom has not been a rebel. Quite Muniba. Uh, but it's not just the jeans that have Kamala sweating, but the Pani Pori. These uh, potato type dumplings that could have very, very hot spice. Uh, Zanib guides Kamala around the city, but her app freezes and Owais explains Old Town is where many of the refugees first settled when they came from India. Uh, they check out the market and Owais asks if it's not exotic enough for the ABCD's IG that, you know, the American-born confused Desi 
she knows what it means. Kamala does say that she'd like to visit the train station, you know, where Nani entered the country. Uh, the cousins say, that's a nice idea. Go do that. We'll catch up with you later. Kamala has her picture taken by a tourist money taker. Pete, we live in a sometimes touristy area of New Jersey. So believe me when I say this is definitely a tourist money taker kind of guy. Uh, but she will pay him for the Polaroid and directions to the train station which are confusing directions, but good news. <laughs> Next scene, she makes it. Uh, Several she... lefts, and it's by the donkey cart. <laughs> uh, she finds the station and notices the surveillance posting calling out the historic restoration. She dons the mask Bruno gifted her and goes off the beaten track to see a mural of Ant-Man when a dagger hits a masked man jumps down and tells her he's found her. He sensed the Noor and attacks, walking on her hard light. Do all masked Americans have superpowers? Well, she says she, of course, could be Canadian. Pete, that's what's called an inside joke on account of the actress being Canadian. Uh, but it's brought back to MC reality. Uh, how could he tell that she was American? Her shirt says New Jersey. Uh, the fight pauses for a little dialogue like who are you are you clandestine also come with me if you want to live uh but since our guards coming he's kidding uh not reference here that's a quote from the terminator films but uh the message ultimately stick with this fella yes and the security officers here on their way uh somebody she should meet um he takes her to a chinese restaurant and into its kitchen where he pushes a button revealing a secret passageway as he welcomes her to the Red Daggers. Are they a Pakistani boy band? Kamala asks. A glowing green hallway gives way to some very strong hideout game. They remove their masks, and a man says they can make an exception for a descendant of Aisha's. His name is Walid, and... Kamala's great-grandmother's story is legendary. They have much to discuss. But first, why is the soup so red? Uh, Pete, that's because they're eating proper sweet and sour soup. Uh, and Waleed, uh, over the meal here, is going to give what I will charitably call an info dump. Uh, the gin, the real deal. Uh, all this is uh, away from the lunch table. They're from another realm, one that overlays our world. There's a magic map wall, a floating display that shows more of the unseen dimension. If you're not completely clear of the conflict here, we see how half is the other unseen dimension, half is our regular world. Okay, uh, the worlds are separated by the veil, and uh, the result uh, in energy, if you bring down the veil, would destroy our world, which is helpfully shown in the, uh, in the uh, 3D model here. That's bad. Hence, the big takeaway, the bangle must be kept safe. Yes, if the clandestines use it to tear down the veil, their world will be unleashed onto ours until there's nothing left. Um, there's an inscription on the bangle here. There was no mention of it before in the legend, and it reads, what you seek is seeking you. Is this an important message, or he doesn't know, but it must have been important to someone. 
Matt, take us to the exterior of the Department of Damage Control Supermax Prison or the nightlit set of what will appear in She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. Ooh, good uh, connection there. I guess it's all Atlanta connected. Um, we do spend a little time outside it, then we're inside a guard is moving the gin prisoners, uh, and then the, the guards are taken out in, in a pretty fancy fight scene. There's uh, some some sliding chains. There's some pulse energy weapons and so forth. Uh, the gin continue their escape. But wait, Pete, Comron, Comron is left behind. He has made his choice. Uh, sorry, sucker. Goodbye. As the other worse gin disappear. Yeah, his mom here casting him out. He has to live with it. And they're off to go get the bangle. Salim apologizes and Kamran braces against the wall as they leave. Back to Karachi, where in the house, um, Kamala goes up to the balcony. It's a gorgeously lit scene at sunset, Matt, with all the kites flying visible. Um, and Kamala has found Nani's hiding spot. Indeed. Uh, as you mentioned, the kites there, both women are trying to figure things out for Nani. It's that tug between Pakistan and India, her past, her present, the border marked with blood and pain. Will Nani ever figure it out? Well, the idea, what's the rush? Kamala gets a text message asking if she's free and, uh, the show continuing the tradition of really showing text messages in a lovely way. Here it's rendered by the kites in the sky. Should she stay? Should she go? Nani says, go be young, go have fun, and so forth. Pete, who is it who has texted her? Is that Kareem, a.k.a. Kimo? It is. And is this a Red Dagger bonfire? Uh, but Kimo promises his friends are nice. Uh, wait, his name means mincemeat? No, it's just short for Kareem. They all go by nicknames. Uh, they're right. Hers is Sloth Baby, of course. Everyone call her that. Cool name. There's Faison, who is also playing the guitar here, who hands out the food. Kamala should be ready for the best meal of her life. Does she like biryani? Uh, she's never eaten it out of a bag before, and they pass out the spoons. There is music. Is it spicy? She tries it, and she smiles as Faison sings. Maybe, Pete, there's even a little spark of spiciness in the air. I'm not quite sure. The story goes back to Nani's house where Mom is cleaning up. Mom and Nani need to talk. Mom's upset about the mess, the magazines laying around, all the toffee boxes. Nani says the toffee was for mom, although, yes, a lot of it has been eaten. Um, but don't get up, Nani. Lay back. Mom massages her mother's leg. Maybe it's time to consider uh, coming to live with us in America. Nani laughs. You didn't go halfway across the world to get away from me. Mom says no. She needed a change after being shunned by the neighbors for Nani's crazy behavior. And twice it's mentioned that Nani had such crazy theories, but mom needed her own mom. Pete, I would like to point out this is now back-to-back -back scenes that's just about, like, character stuff in a home-like setting and so forth. 
very far removed from some of the shaky cam special effect power fights we're going to have in a couple scenes. And uh, the mention here of um, Muniba's father that he left uh, Sana um, and she still continued to cling to her fantastic theories. That's fantastic with an F, Matt, should be pointed out. Uh, but Muniba explained she didn't need her stories. She needed her mother. Later, Kamala comes home. Mom is still at the table, kind of reflecting. Here, have a toffee. Uh, yes, they're hard. You need strong teeth. It's good for your teeth. The next day at the ABC Chinese restaurant, Kamala is using her powers. She's told that's part of what makes her unique. Uh, she's offered a, a blue cloth, going to be revealed as a vest in a moment. It's not armor, but it does have history to it. Uh, she puts it on, so does that make her a red dagger? Uh, she steps away, like out of the middle of the room here, which coincidentally is just in time because that's when the jinn enter. It's fight time. Najma wants her. Walid handles most of the fight. Uh, then all of a sudden, the goodies are on the run uh, on a rickshaw moped setup with the baddies having stolen a truck. Pete, now it's car chase time, except it's a truck and a moped. The training scene quickly segueing into the surprise from above. Um, did you get the feeling at all, Matt, with both Kareem at one point in the mask and then also Najma um, COVID impacted? Um, I know that the six weeks spent filming Ms. Marvel episode four and five, uh, in, uh, Thailand were those six weeks were done like with special exception to lockdown rules, uh, which is to say, I'm sure that they were being very, very careful because probably Thailand was trying to walk a fine line from, Hey, we're open for filming. And also like, don't, don't cause catastrophic spread of this pandemic. Um, I do have to wonder, particularly as we get into this fight chase scene here, my question is this, and, and I hope, Pete, my effusive praise for Karachi, you know, fictional, I know, again, not filmed in real Karachi, but Karachi has presented on screen and the authenticity that Thailand is bringing to these two episodes. My question during this fight would be this. You went to Thailand to do a shaky fight thing in a bunch of closed off streets that to me maybe pete i'm being incredibly ignorant culturally but to me i didn't see kind of the value added of filming um you know the the, the truck is has them on the front end and then there's a family with a baby in the path and kamala powers up and gives a ramp and the rickshaw is pushed free like they went to thailand for that because one would think that any old backlot built with a street would do again if i'm being woefully ignorant as to the great cultural things that thailand is capturing here i'd love to hear genuinely love to hear what i'm not getting but you know as walid is separated from the other two and he will lead the baddies away uh a i was kind of wondering you went to thailand for this and b do you remember two scenes ago where it was about like having biryani on the beach and and the music and the culture and the the feeling of place and now we're back into, Pete, something I enjoy, which is the MCU fight scenes with brightly colored, shiny things to 
distract me from the troubles of the real world. But I kind of wanted to still either stay on that beach or stay talking with talking with Nani. You know, Pete, I I miss my departed Nani, and I was getting some of that there too. But but Pete, car fight. The good thing we have to look forward to, if I might. Uh, continue the conversation here. The um, Marvel Assembled have done a really good job of giving you a sense of, uh, you know, not only the production, but the unique challenges. You know, I, I hear you on these streets like, how's they're not in Atlanta studio where they do the truck fight from the Falcon and the Winter Soldier um, that they could do this in. Um, I'm sure it's going to be explained to us when we do see that assembled, Matt. Uh, I've watched the Moon Knight one, which I think uh, has been the best one so far for uh, my buck. Um, Just announced is the Doctor Strange one, which is going to hit July uh 8th i think they gave the date on that um it's it's coming very early in july um i'm sure they'll tell us but all of this chase ultimately uh culminates in najma stabbing waleed and he falls r.i.p waleed i have to admit pete uh, he had such charisma i know uh a couple people on twitter were discussing his handsomeness as well um, I was a little surprised ultimately at the low scene count that Waleed had relative to his smoldering masculinity and ability for the camera to love him. Uh, but sometimes those are the hurts that get you. R.I.P. Waleed. Well, Fawad Khan here, you know, he's a big, big deal. Uh, producer, screenwriter, he's a model, he's a singer. And, you know, we'll talk about it in theories, though Kareem tells us. He, he can't be helped anymore, given the nature of the end of this episode. I got to wonder if that's really the case. Well, Kareem uses an explosive bottle to help him and Kamala get away. And all of a sudden, they're kind of at a, a, a dead end of fabric cellars. Uh, they prepare to make a stand. Uh, it's further fighting time. They down two baddies for now. There's a pause, and the fight continues. Najma has had enough and stabs the bangle with her blade. And then Pete space rips time rips. Uh, Kamala is at a train, nay the train, the last one out of India that day. Uh, A Hindu and Muslim pair say goodbye. As Kamala walks by, she slowly understands when this is indeed confirmed. It's the last train tonight. She climbs on top, seeing the chaos to end the episode. We are searching the internet for all the theories and Pete meta view here. Okay. In the last week, there have been some quotes from Kevin Feige. You know, some people have been complaining saying what's phase four all about. And he has said, we're smart. People are starting to see the edges here. Pete, we obviously, or I dare say, obviously see Kamala going through space and time, maybe another reality, another timeline, incursion, something like that. So so let's start with this. My question to you, uh, has she gone back in place and time for, for realsy? I think so. 
and the whole trail of stars situation, I think, what is it? The grandfather paradox. I, I think she's going to be the one that influenced that event. You read my mind that she, she will be her own. Yes. She will be, she will lead to the trail of stars and so forth, which actually, if the show ever has to deal with some sort of, you know, time variance authority thing like why why are there people not showing up to stop her from the other show the answer could be because it's all meant to be because she causes the trail that that brings uh you know brings her grandmother forth and all that um i think again a lot of potential for next week's episode i'm just hoping and maybe this is a by way of a theory pete will we see more of why they shot in thailand next week i think Obviously, that four and five were done there and they were done out of sequence. A big reason to do that. You know, they've shown us so very, very little in advance of all of these Disney Plus shows that it's really kind of hard to know until you see it. Um, You know, not just this aspect of going back in time through the, the power of the bangle um you know the real question i had as i watched was can kamala be seen um you know obviously her appearance stands out very much in terms of clothing um just you know than anything else on the on the drab dreary hot sweaty screen there and you know is it the type of thing where maybe she's not visible, but the effect of the bangle will be, and that will cause, um, you know, the situation that her, uh, her nanny, her grandmother, uh, lived through. I think that's a good theory. And I think that if they want to spend, uh, six or less minutes, um, at the last train, then that's that would lend itself to her not being seen. If this is going to be, you know, 20 minutes in the past, that sort of thing, even if that was maybe the original idea that she can't be seen, there's probably a certain point where you say, I'll just let her be visible. That's easier to, to write, to film, to conceive and all of that. Um, I also too, I kind of, I'm trying to get my head wrapped around what is the criteria next week by which she then goes home. And yes, you're absolutely right, Pete, that they concluded the main body of filming with next week's episode. There just still happens to be episode six, the season finale, that is going to come in terms of the chronological presentation for us. So what is it that brings her back home? To me, there still is a question mark in that regard. Well, I mean, we know where she shows up next, and I think the smart money remains on... Captain Marvel appearing somehow in this series. I think it was strengthened even more that by footage of, um, you know, Brie Larson, Carol Danvers, and, um, you know, uh, Anthony Mackie, uh, Sam Wilson, that's on a uh, Disney cruise. I think... Pete, the the smart money is on Brie Larson showing up for the end of the season. I will 
however, offer a, a, a contrast. So I'm not necessarily disagreeing with the mighty spoiler Pete here, but here, here's a thought. If Marvel Studios figured out in the making of WandaVision uh, that Wanda would be less um, self-driven um, if Doctor Strange showed up in that show and some, uh, you know, by implication, some, some, some of her female power taken away by a man coming to save the day and all that. Okay, fine. But let's just stick a pin in that for a moment. Certainly there's not the male versus female kind of gender stuff if Captain Marvel comes in to save the day emotionally or, or literally in this show. But by the same logic, is Kamala less uh, less of an, an independent force if, you know, episode six, the building is crumbling. Oh, no, she has no more bangle power. Wait, it's Captain Marvel to save the day. Um, again, it's without kind of the gender concern, but I think that emotionally... If Carol Danvers is going to show up in this show, it needs to be done in a way that still it's Ms. Marvel as a self-driven person and not just, you know, I'm third or fourth build in Captain Marvel 2, a movie coming in July of next year. I think they've really paved the way with the idea that the Nord dimension could wear down our dimension and interact and and that's going to be the thing you know clearly the bangle the use of the bangle hasn't suffered hasn't summoned carol danvers right the way it's summoned the clandestines okay she's not quite on that wavelength i think whatever's going to take place in these final two episodes uh is going to draw her out matt let's talk about this mystery you're at an academic high school and uh, you suddenly just leave for a vacation. Um, Pete, I wish I could say that it's impossible to conceive, but it's not impossible co- to conceive. Hey, dear Mr. Guidance Counselor guy, uh, I will be taking my daughter Kamala to Pakistan for the next week. Um, please make sure that when she comes back, uh, she gets her absent work. Sincerely, uh, Muniba. Uh, I, I think that that is, that is unfortunately too easy to imagine, although I do agree with your overall finger-wagging point that uh, education is key and maintaining continuity with those lessons just as important. The aspect that Muniba, who's named her daughter Kamala, a traditionally Indian name, is a rebel is an interesting one. We're going to get some kind of secret backstory now that we're time traveling, you know, Univa with a, with a pink lady leather jacket. <laughs> um, that could be fun. I mean, uh, as you said, we're already starting to time travel a little bit. So maybe there's, there's skips and steps through the decades next week. That, that could be a ton of fun. I did wonder, you know, I know that there's the, um, you know, there's kind of been the an explanation in the last couple of years on how to pronounce it, uh, Kamala, not Kamala, and um, some of the linguistic background there. So I had wondered if maybe that was kind of a that was kind of a, a slight reference to, you know, like, hey, look, we went with a name. It's not to say that you know this character was made, you know, by people not familiar with uh, with East Asian culture and all of that, but. Um, 
I had wondered if maybe that was a little bit of like, hey, we know we have something that isn't 100% culturally authentic to a Pakistani family, so we're going to call attention to it, but, which is to say, you know, not all traditions are followed at all times, that sort of thing. Siddhartha is one of my favorite novels there, and obviously the character of Kamala looms large in that, uh, you know, big into the Indian culture. Um but here, Matt, the idea with the inscription, what you seek is seeking you. What do you make of that? I mean, it suggests, I suppose, one of two things. First is, vaguely, it suggests maybe a certain sentience to the bangle. Maybe I'm being overly informed by, you know, Pete, I'll mention D.C., uh, you know, Green Lantern's ring and that sort of thing. Side note, uh, Green Lantern anthology series on HBO Max. I don't know when it's coming out. It might be next year, but I'm very excited about that. A lot of potential there. Um, so that's my first thought. The second thought is it could be taken a bit more generally as a notion of one's fate and not necessarily full on, you know, predestination, but just that, just that, um, you know, is has she always been fated to be paired up with the bangle and to do great things? Uh, maybe that's the explanation. The DODC Supermax prison said before that it will appear in she Hulk. You go look at those trailers. You can see it uh, lit at day. Um, but we're seeing it here first. It's <laughs> nice to have some transfer and some crossover, uh, with things like that, particularly when it feels effortless, uh, much love to the uh, the formal for, former Marvel Netflix shows. Um, now the Disney Plus MA shows, um, or I guess they call it the Defenders shows. Uh, I guess that's the name it has now. But anyhow, when they would have callouts like you know, like when there was the battle for for New York, right? Which we can't show you because. There's a whole bunch of corporate stuff and this and that, the other. Um, when it doesn't work, it's a little cringy. Here, the notion, it just makes sense. Of course, the djinn arrested by the DODC are going to go to a DODC prison. Um, that makes sense, right? And the fact that that's going to be an, uh, you know, a, a topic in the next show, that just makes sense as well. That um, Sana's husband, that Muniba's father left... I think is a thread that could be explored. You know, Pete, one of my go-to tools is how much time do we have left? And okay, we have two episodes left. One uh, filmed in Thailand, presumably set in Karachi, and then one filmed in Atlanta, presumably set in New Jersey. In that time, do we have a secret dad reveal? Do we have that sort of thing? Uh, maybe, plenty of time to do so. Does my gut say that's that they've planted a planted a seed that guaranteed is going to be revealed this season? Maybe less so. Um, you know, you then factor in, you know, the, the difficulties of any production, let alone a COVID era production. You know, is it something where it's like, oh, we we meant to get rid of that line and we never did, or that was a leftover from a thought? Um, that's possible too. Could even be a setup for a season two thing. I think all are possible, but I would I would give fifty one percent of my vote to some more dad stuff this season. Is Walid really dead? 
Uh, I hope not, because I have to admit, Pete, I did not know the actor's resume prior to you uh, to you sharing it with me, and I'm certainly interested to to learn more about him. But despite my ignorance, the kind of the respect that the camera gave him and the magnetism that he gave to the camera makes it that if you know if, if he if it's all of a sudden oh he's broken out of the body bag or oh he just needed his recharge period or he needed to get more sun less sun you know whatever the, whatever the magic story thing is I, I i wouldn't be like but wait you said he was dead i i'm ready for more of waleed let's scroll down and check the comment section pete starting on our twitter where uh the question was how spicy do you like your biryani okay uh <laughs> The uh, I'll go from top to bottom because I like my I, I, th- there's a little joke in there that I at least I think it's funny. I don't know. Pete, four chili peppers. OK, that got sixty one point one percent. That was the top winner there. Three chili peppers got twenty five percent. Two chili peppers got thirteen point nine percent. And then what's less than two chili peppers? Just a bowl of rice that got zero <laughs> percent. I'm proud of that one. I really am. Uh, we heard from Andre Yeager, Dr. Polo1983 on Twitter. This is definitely a setup for the final, a setup episode for the final two. Red Dagger was straight out of the comics and he provided great exposition. I love the analogy of if Thor landed in the Himalayas, he would have been called a djinn. I think they're going to finish strong. Next up is David Siller, Siller David Poet on Twitter. Ms. Marvel delivers yet again these weekly love poems to comics and comic fans, to fanboys slash fangirls, to immigrants and family, to imagination and hope, to doing good, resonate long after the credits roll and that music fades. That these elements have translated so well from page to screen, even if they've been adapted slightly to fit this ever-expanding movie universe, is a testament to the care the creators are taking to bring Kamala to life. We're learning about religion and culture, Seeing the effects and weight of colonialism, the switch between English, Urdu, and Hindi is powerful and palpable. Seeing the trauma and chaos of partition, which many in America have probably never even heard of. Experiencing the growing pains of a young immigrant woman. Seeing her family navigate their cares and frustrations uh, for and with each other. I'm loving the intro of Red Dagger, the dip back in time, the juxtapositions of the actions of all the mothers in the show. I can't wait to see how the last two episodes play out and how we tie it into the MCU. And I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Mr. Scorsese, pay attention because this is how you tell stories and get audiences invested in characters and their lives. Thanks, Matt and Pete, for uniting us all on this glorious journey. Stay fantastic. That was really nice. And the the slap at Scorsese is warranted if he's going to crap on, you know, superhero movies um which don't exist without him let's let's acknowledge that okay but um it's the evolution of the art form and you know there are kids watching this who are ultimately going to make who are making movies of their own who ultimately are going to be paid to make movies of their own and you know the snake eats its tail uh, so yeah, I mean to, to see, like I said, at the top of the show here to see an episode like this, that not one white face appears. Okay. In a family centric, uh, you know, essentially young adult, but not 
truly uh, action-oriented episode of TV. Like, this is wildly different than anything that is normally on. Next up, Pete, we hear from BikeBRH. That's BikeBRH on Twitter. So far, I like it a lot, but I don't love it. I give them a lot of credit for resisting the temptation to sexually objectify any of the young women so far, probably because there are so many Muslim women involved in running the show. Definitely one of the better Marvel TV shows. Next, we hear from Ian Silverman, Sylvie underscore 76. Uh, I enjoyed action sequences this week and definitely interested to see how time slash dimension jump twist at the end sets up the final two episodes. Honestly, at this point, I'm more excited about and invested in the fact that these characters are becoming more firmly established as part of the larger MCU than I am in what happens with this specific Ms. Marvel series and story. Sure, I'm excited to see what happens with the bangle and the gin, but uh, more than that, I'm so enjoying Kamala and these other characters. I can't wait to see more of them in future shows slash films, which I think, Pete, is a, a great way to encapsulate my point from the recap, which is there's this interesting character drama in the middle of the episode that then, quite frankly, gets interrupted by the MCU. I had a unique experience watching this, given the family drama of it, you know, asking myself, okay, does, does Muniba show up in the Marvels? You know, does, does her family have scenes? Um, I'm interested how that's going to work. We hear from Spider-Ham Lincoln, Tess LC-139. I continue to enjoy Ms. Marvel, and the twist at the end took the story in an unexpected direction, but it still is fun. I've been watching a couple of Pakistani girls on YouTube react to the series, and it's interesting to see how dedicated Ms. Marvel is to Pakistani culture and uh, the Muslim religion. Good job, Marvel Studios. And by the way, Pete, he uh, linked to a video entitled Pakistani Americans React to Ms. Marvel. So uh, I know I'm going to check that out as soon as we're done with the podcast and encourage others to do so as well. Getting the feel from attending the Paley Center session of, um, you know, both executive producer Sana Aminat and director of this episode and the next episode, Charmaine Obeyed Chinoy. Um, you know, the faithfulness to the culture, the experience, you know, so important. And, you know, obviously, Aman Vellani, she's a 19-year-old woman. She filmed this when she was 18. You know, she's going along with it. This is the first thing that she's done. But to see the awakening in her. Um, and though this episode, you know, about her experience going to, you know, what stands in for Pakistan, um, you know, not actual in the sense that she's going there, um, we're seeing it in her and how it's affecting her. Pete, we hear from Noel Gardner at Noel Camille on Twitter. I love how much Kamala's family is part of the story. There was a lot of exposition in this episode, but we needed it. The Noor dimension sounds like uh, it's like Talo. Maybe the 10 rings and the band are connected in the typical episode four pop off fashion. Kamala traveling back in time was mind blowing. I have a feeling that she will end up being behind the trail of stars. Her grandmother followed. Can't wait to see where this goes next and how it leads to the Marvels next year. 
Uh, and Andre Yeager replied to that, saying, I was thinking the same thing. She's the one who created the Trail of Stars. Typical lost time travel reference. Whatever happened, happened. She needed to be there to fulfill the dream. Next, we hear from J. Philly B. J. Philly B. for Fandom on Twitter. Loved Sanaa and the continuing theme of difficult mother and daughter relationships with a side order of Najma leaving Kamran behind. Moms are tough. But not enough Waleed. Felt like it was edited to cut his exposition during the map scene. Surely he's not really dead, right? Certainly a lot of discussion already. Uh, we hear from Bob Keeley, R. Keeley on Twitter. Probably my least favorite episode so far, but still enjoyable. Great relationship between Kamala and her grandmother. And lastly, Pete, strange new tweets, KCLYLE1 on Twitter. Whatever action was missing in the first episodes was certainly made up for this week. Uh, great to see, great to get some more backstory and find out how serious the situation actually is. Is the bangle sometimes acting on its own to protect Kamala? Now that it seems like she's not controlling it, but maybe that's just the editing. She also seems like she's gone through some fight training, uh, unless again the bangle was helping. Regardless, great action, cool story, fantastic characters, really loving it, hoping they finish strong. Your thoughts there, Pete, that maybe my Green Lantern ring analogy could be on to something. You've seen her with the hard light, uh, the ability the bangle is unlocking in her become more proficient and, you know, better at doing that. Um, are we going to get a, a fully powered Kamala by the end of this season, this series? I think that's what the Marvels is about. I, I think getting her to that point. It's funny, you know, having watched um, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness and it coming, you know, out shortly before this and now it's hit Disney Plus, you know, Kamala, America, Chavez, um, I see a lot of parallels. And then not just the age in terms of unlocking their ability. Uh, it's going to be interesting if they ever share a screen. Pete, what feedback do you have on your end? On Apple Podcast, Jay Killen Nine has left us a uh, review, uh, five stars. Matt and Pete are marvelous, uh, and it reads for me: nothing. Trek slash Wars slash Marvel is complete without Fantastic Geek. Miss Marvel is no exception. Download and hit play today. Well, thank you for those emphatic and kind words. Uh, certainly very much appreciated. Pete, to the email inbox we go where we have heard from Stacy. That's, of course, A.K. Stingray, A.K. TrekGirl88 on Twitter. Uh, and Stacy says, good morning, Matt and Pete. I actually don't know if it's going to be morning when you read this, but it's 5 a.m. here as I type this. So good morning, uh, it is. And Pete, I say to anybody who's emailing us at uh, ultimately, this was sent 5.27 a.m. Stacy's time. Anybody who's writing that early, uh, we could say good morning back to you. So good morning, Stacy. Absolutely. Uh, Stacy says, this was another great episode. I was surprised it opened with Kamala and Muniba on the plane to Karachi. I expected to see the discussion slash argument between them, but I guess it's a mother-daughter thing. Ami calls, you go. I do wonder if the school year ended without us seeing it since they left Jersey. I was seemingly no notice. But then they get to Karachi, and I forgot about that little nitpick because it was so all so good. They did a great job of showing how Kamala feels both out of place and comfortable with her family. They're familiar, but Karachi is so different from Jersey City. She does navigate it pretty well, though. All the little family elements were great. 
Seeing Muniba interact with her mother with both love and exasperation was so relatable. To find out that Muniba left Pakistan to get away from her mother's fantasy theories, oh, I can't wait to see how that plays out. I hope she sees Kamala with her powers this season. I don't want the hiding from her family to drag on, although I understand that that's what they choose to do. Superheroes got to have their secret identities and all. Loved all the action in this episode. The fight between Kamala and the Red Dagger and Red Dagger was so fun and well done. The fight scene in the Red Dagger hideout as well. I didn't expect Najma and the other Jin to leave Kamran behind. I know they're desperate to get home, but phew, leaving your own kid behind because he's hurt. That's cold. Also really loving the music all season. Bon Jovi, of course, and the wedding music. But this episode, the music really stood out for me. Oh, and almost forgot that ending. Kamala time-traveled? Definitely didn't expect that. But I guess once you have a real live Jin in your story, anything can happen. Can't wait to see what's next. Also bummed there are only two episodes left. They go too fast. As always, looking forward to your thoughts. Pete, that from Stacy. Get a real sense with the end of this episode of the turmoil of families torn apart, of just the commotion of partition here. I'm interested to see, you know, I admitted it a couple episodes back. I had never heard of this before, um, you know, as a, a concept. You know, we, we know about and understandably so about the Holocaust and I'm not equating the two, but just in terms of a world event. And, you know, I wasn't taught this in school. Um, so to be able to explore this, I'm interested in seeing how they flesh it out over the next couple episodes. Yeah. Martin Scorsese is more than welcome to make, another movie about Italian American gangsters. Uh, meanwhile, this show has had me uh, not just see these wonderful actors and, and cultures kind of represented on screen, but having spent some time learning a little bit more about partition, what Britain frankly didn't do to prevent any sort of chaos other than draw a line and kind of, you know, leave um, even Pete learning about some of the terrible after effects um, assaults and so forth on women on both sides of the line you know just in numbers that were frightening and scary and a reminder that uh there are rights that need to be preserved and dignities need to be preserved for for all sorts of people even when there is a, a decrease in power so that's what this show has taught me in the last four episodes yeah i just i, I can't help but think this is so different than i expected to be but in the best way well pete as always our thanks as we make our way through the journey that is this show our thanks to those who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content all sorts of levels to uh pick from but it takes just a dollar a month to get you behind that door up now, Matt, as I understand it, a poll to decide uh, what we'll reveal about ourselves. And we're going to be asking each other questions people have about the other. Yeah, some questions. We know some people, some people have been with us on the podcasting journey for a while and some people more recently. So uh, questions that they have for us as, as, as a podcasting duo. 
I guess we'll trade off those questions as we go. And then the questions that are just Pete questions, you will not see Pete. I will ask those. Uh, and then the questions that are just for me, uh, you, you will see them. I will not. And you can ask them to me and so forth. So it'll be a fun opportunity. It's kind of like our own our own secret wars, our own <laughs> hidden comic book history, that kind of thing. Looking forward to that for sure. Uh, but thanks again to everybody helping us do this. Pete, how can we keep the Ms. Marvel conversation going for these next two weeks? How can people be in touch with you on Twitter? Find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, -E 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 12,610 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do me in touch with the podcast, comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. Well, Pete, as we mentioned at the top, listeners to the Pop Culture Podcast feed can look forward to us talking about Star Wars tomorrow and Star Trek Strange New Worlds on Sunday. If you're here just for the Marvel discussion, back next Friday to talk what will be the penultimate episode of the season. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. You can start small and still be larger than life.